Like, I wonder if, like, cosmically, there's this, yeah. doo -doo -doo. this number yeah. is no longer in service. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Chris, Chris, who? After how long? I think who? you find him under apostate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey there, if you've joined the podcast today, my name is Chris Jarvis. I work with companies on employee giving and volunteering programs. And my name's Jake McIsaac. I spend a lot of time thinking about public safety and restorative justice. So we are having conversations here that we've been having for 20 years. Yeah, the only difference now is we press record and share it with you. Thanks for joining us. Vulnerable moment. Are you even a friend if you've never shared the Disorienting Dilemma podcast with your friends? I mean, Chris and I are talking about our inward journey all the time, and this is 2023. This is what we do now. We share pods with friends when we want them to think about things and get better and talk to each other and open up conversations. So why don't you do that? This would be a great episode to do it. We're talking about notions of free will, determinism, who we are over time, the stickiness of our belief systems, the impact that they have on our worldviews, and um, hear the story of why Chris is a huge Rush Limbaugh fan. This is Dan shirt. <laughs> you, okay. Are you going to return it? Never. We were on a trip and, and he was at the location and after he had to leave early and they cleaned up this room and the shirt was left there. And it's one of those ones from uh, Lululemon. Oh yeah. A hundred dollars or something like that. I thought, oh, I found a shirt. Enjoy your shirt. I hope you. I hope he loses another one there. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> He's got great dates. Um, is this because you do that thing where you do that double check at the end of? Yeah, exactly. It, it's a bit neurotic, right? Like it's. But it pays off though. It does. Yeah. The so, other day uh, we were leaving San Francisco, and so the double check is like one of us is responsible to see check everything, and the other person is responsible to check everything because. Two of us will look at things quite differently or look in different places. And so the diversity of perspective actually has made us richer with phone chargers, uh, the Bose speaker, like the stupid $170 transportable speaker that we take. Uh, yeah, it was like oh, just tucked away and she saw it and I didn't just because she has a different height and looks for different. Anyways, yeah, it's been. Great. Now, did, did this practice come about because you suffered a loss did you forgot something and he said we need to actually implement this new or is it something you've always done because i don't remember it, no you know what it started out uh it was kind of like uh did you check the bedroom uh, at an airbnb and uh i'll say yeah she's like okay i did too i'm like okay and then at first it was like you don't have to check the kitchen i just did the kitchen i'll say yeah but i found this bag <gasps> oh but yeah it's 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 interesting because at the beginning, the, there's this interaction between us, which was just sort of like not even intentional. But now it's developed into a behavior that has been very, very helpful for seeing things yeah. that I wouldn't have seen and, and finding things. It's great. Well, I, I witnessed it. It's like this military precision now. Uh, oh, when yeah. I was sitting there and watching the two yes. of them double check and back across yeah. a, a place going. What is here, happening here, right here, now? Grab this kind clear, of clear, clear. Yeah, that's very cool. Didn't start out that way. It was chaotic. My feelings got hurt a few times. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like um, present you is better than past you, at least in that regard. Well, wouldn't you hope in every regard? 
Like, I mean, that, okay, so that is an Sometimes, yeah. We know this is what we're talking about this season. And so, so that's interesting because I actually hadn't considered that cleaning regimen that way. <laughs> but I like to think I'm doing better with something. Although I have been thinking, you know, it's harder to see. Right, certain distances and light, light levels. Uh, I, I, I'm becoming the thing I used to giggle at when I was younger. The person with the, you know, reading glasses or the light for the menu at the in the evening. But those are all physical things. So mm-hmm. I think we're talking more about the way we kind of conduct ourselves and how we act. Yes, but also shifting beliefs about how we view the world. I think yeah. they as they evolve, or we used to. When I was a kid, you know, this was the, uh, what came with age was wisdom. And I didn't quite understand what that, and I don't know that I love that word, but I, I do think. What the word the cha- Yeah. The changing perspective hmm. is, is interesting. I do feel like I see things differently and I th- sometimes feel better for that. And then lots of times feel really ashamed about what I used to think or oh my see gosh. or believe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So there's this show on TV. I, I, I sent you a little uh, TikTok mm-hmm. shot of it. Do you remember? A couple therapy, right? It's on Showtime. Yeah. It's a bunch of different seasons. And um, yeah, I was thinking about that in terms of uh, having a session with my past self. Because they wouldn't be sitting, my past self and me sitting there on the couch with her, and she does a great job. It's a very yeah. interesting show. It's kind of almost could be part of my therapy regimen, I suppose. Um, but sitting there with my past self, it wouldn't be my the future self saying, well, Chris, what you have to understand is you're going to get here and you're going to think this and you're going to think that. My past self would go, when did you give up? What right. is your problem? You have got lost your way it's not like my past self wasn't thinking that they were the present self at the right destination at that time so you get two identities feeling like i'm at the right destination in conflict and i i think my past self would be just very disappointed with me i so i really like that i was thinking about reflecting back in a more one way Past self is just there in a state, just not enough. responding, yeah. just, just being yeah. observed. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like the Truman show or something from yeah. the, looking down outside the. But your version, your past self is spicy and coming for it. And absolutely. Oh my after. gosh. You know yeah, who I, my past self used to like in his mid 20s? Rush Limbaugh. I said it. I said it. And it's we should. Dude, yeah. dude, are you sure we don't want Connor to edit this out? Yeah. Rush Bleep. <laughs> it's uh yeah it's too late it's in okay so what yes um and the modern day wrestling bar is that other guy uh what's his name uh ben ben shapiro ben shapiro yes yeah i would say he's our or yeah he's a version of that right yeah i think yeah i don't i don't know because i don't listen to those uh folks but i do see them in in various feeds or tiktok right. clips or right. something but but my past self loved that thought that was completely accurate and from that point of view would not have appreciated you know 2023 chris very much at all but w- what about that pulled you in at that time well same thing that would have pulled you in so i was born into a context of christianity uh, a fairly fundamental um fringy version of christian faith uh, historically speaking, 
mm-hmm. and had a strong sense of just a few of us hold on, the earth's going to burn, and then we'll uh, the real life begins after, you know, everyone dies or Jesus comes back. It's pretty awesome. There, there, there's there's a righteous remnant of people here holding it all together, holding back the chaos, holding the line. Yeah, everything got uh, sort of this moralized, supernatural yeah. uh, significance in a cosmic battle between good and bad. It was like it's like being in a game, like you're totally yeah. immersed in this Dungeons and Dragons, uh, God and Satan type of game, and everything has value in that game for uh, moral or good reasons or can be value. And you can get, you can lose, you know, life points by doing bad things. But if you do the right things, <laughs> you can gain the life points back. Right. Yeah. So I wonder if folks like Rush Limbaugh or these other sort of social commentators, do they fill in the gaps? Is that what they do? They fill in the sort of the gaps between uh, religion and and sacred text or whatever, like, so I don't have to interpret it. So it doesn't take me, they want to really narrow the way that I can interpret that stuff to a particular perspective or worldview. So that's an interesting question. So I'm going to go meta here for a sec, Jake. So I don't know if this is what we want to talk about at this point, but that has been one of the things when people talk about they and what is their agenda and what did they intend that they almost has sort of um, a supernatural omniscient omnipresent quality to it mm-hmm. i doubt limba thought anything more than ratings paychecks sponsors and this is the material that gets me there i, I believe that material to some extent but in terms of having an agenda i think you need to look like go to that colorado group that that definitely does have an agenda for um uh, Republican legislation. They're drafting a bunch yeah. of it right now to give to people and and who to fire, who to hire. I forget, it's a Christian foundation or something like that. I can see groups like that having an agenda, but but I don't. What do you think? Like, do you think? Because your question is like, when they do this, are they trying to narrow down the way we interpret the Bible so that the result gets us where they want us to be? And yeah, and I don't I th- know if they had that thought. Let me shift it then. Maybe okay. it's not the they, but when we occupied certain roles within religion, was that what we were trying to do? We were trying to get people saved and see the world we saw. Yes. Right. So not an agenda, but a mission, purpose. Is that kind of the I, the idea? Uh-huh. Get on board with what I know and what I do, but I don't really have much thought about how you're reading Richard Dawkins' book. For example, I I might reference it, but I'm not kind of getting you to notice things and not see other things. Like I don't have that much right omniscience, omnipresence in your life, or even care about you that much. Right, because you're 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 stat. Maybe I care about you. I care about you and the stat, and that you're going the same way, and that you're joining me on this mission. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I and we're we're still like that. I mean, the whole podcast this podcast yeah well th- this is this is the point like i'm like i'm looking back trying to be critical and then seeing the exact same, same patterns thing. yes yes in present so yeah. the more we look back critically at past self it's revealing how much is imprinted in present like <sighs> i'm still well i don't mean to make you depressed but no that's true though right there's the direction of my thinking that I find is more inclusive and more ethical 
but the ways that I engage people is there morality to the because if you look at behavioral science and the way human beings interact with each other, there's, there's no morality to it at all. Zero. It is just the way we have evolved and what our biology is doing. I mean, our awareness of it is so minimal um, based on what we now know from science. But I think in those early days when we were really involved in not just religious work or service, like mission service kind of thing, uh, reaching the poor and soup kitchens and all of that kind of language, that was also this moment of uh, caring about people on their own journey, um, mm. believing that, and I think paying attention to the conditions required for them to learn, experience, um, what would it take for them to uh, reflect about where they were, where they wanted to be. Same stuff we're doing now. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I see the point. Yeah, I, I kind of, lo- I, I miss yeah. what you were saying. And, and yes, so within Christianity, we were very, we had adopted a version that wasn't what we grew up with. Yeah. Right? We were we were saying things like um, coming to the kitchen as part of this community and spending time here is as important as going to church and listening to a sermon. Maybe those two things actually should be very similar and maybe one isn't more valuable or more sacred than the other. Right. And if it was... <laughs> Maybe it's the, not the one you think it would be. And pe- folks had a really hard time with that. And so I think yeah. when we look back, we thought we were being edgy. I think we were. We thought we were, right? We thought we were burning down the um, religious framework of this thing or uh, this system of Christianity and say, calling people to do something different, do something radical. And um, now I'm like, how edgy was that? We were still doing a lot of really shitty things and people were still being hurt. Yes. By that system. Yes. Yes. So we were, we were looking at what is power in the system. How do we undo that? How do we embrace the other? Um, How do we turn everything in service? If we, if what we believe isn't good for everyone, isn't good for anyone, that kind of thinking, that's what we were after. But you're right. I think that person, that's not my 25-year-old person. That's my 35-year-old person. That person might like who I am now, though. But they would still be afraid. Right. They would still be afraid because I don't interact with their faith the same way. The 35-year-old. The 35-year-old's faith would say, oh, what happened to the 55-year-old? Got it. Yeah, which is really interesting. Okay, so. What did happen? Well, I, I think I had an experience that's helping me ex- understand this a little bit. So um, this week, you've heard, we've talked a little bit about the difference between terms homelessness and unhoused. Mm-hmm. And we've talked uh, about um, uh, my unhoused neighbors here in uh, Fells Point here in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of individuals who I see on a regular basis and I try and learn their names and sometimes I'm, I'm bad with names anyways, but um, everyone's Bob, everyone's Bob or Bill. Yeah. <laughs> but fortunately, most of them have pretty easy names to remember. Like I, I'm going to remember John and Dennis and some of the other folks, uh, Tracy, and have a little bit of a conversation. Now, I, I obviously have the benefit of 
a few decades of experience and thinking about this in Iraq yeah. and learning from other people who know what they're doing kind of thing. Um, right. So I'm not recommending any course of action here for anybody, but I'm walking along and I, I uh, see this woman who I'd seen before, but not talked to. And she uh, said, do you have any change? And I have a thing where I have to give away like 60 or $80 to unhoused neighbors on a weekly basis and various amounts. It doesn't matter to me, but I think of it not as like, not as a tax because the tax <laughs> you don't want to pay, but it's sort of like a, my contribution to my neighborhood. Like these, yeah. this is our neighborhood pooling our common resources kind of thing. It's not That's much. Cool. Yep. So uh, I, I gave her a 20. I said, um, it's all I have. I try to do that to not to set expectations because people, uh, humans would just connect you to the, the thing. As there's, a the tw- there's the, there's the, there's the $20 guy. There's $20 love that guy. guy. Yes. yes. So every once in a while that I, I can't offer something mm-hmm. or it'll be a different amount, that kind of thing, but we weren't there yet. So she was happy and she said, thank you. We were about to leave. And she says, do y'all pray? And I said, <laughs> Uh, what should Pardon? they all pray? Could you pray for me? Mm. And uh, now she's, I would describe her as maybe late 40s, early 50s, fairly thin uh, black woman, uh, just had a sort of sense of being tired, right? Obviously. And so I just, I, I went up to her and I put my hand not on her, but just sort of just beside her because I, I know that that's the approach. That's the, right. Right. And I, and I kind of knew why she asked too, because I'm sure most of the good that she receives in terms of kindness comes with sort of a Christian um, ceremony, right? Mm-hmm. Where certain ways of talking to people and references to God and prayers and kind of things are, are done and said. And so this moment, I knew that that was going to feel comfortable because it's familiar, right? So I did the familiar thing, um, but I prayed an unfamiliar prayer. I, it went something like, uh, I, I forget her name. Let's say Kelly. Um, God, we're here with Kelly and we want her to have a great day. So can you remind her today that every once in a while when people look at her and smile and are kind to her, that it's you trying to help her remember how important she is to you and how much you love her. And uh, I, I closed my eyes because that's how I, I pray, uh, obviously. And when I opened, she had this big grin on her face hmm. um, because the prayer was just, well, it was about her, right? Like I wanted her, I wanted to say, you, you matter. So in that sense, I had, after that moment, I thought maybe this is the difference between being in the paradigm mm-hmm. when, you know, my 25-year-old self wrestling with the paradigm, maybe my 35-year-old self, and now being out of it and being able to use aspects of it as tools. So I'm not owned by it, but I can use it when and where I, I, I need to. Beautiful words, I think, that you shared with her. I think that mm. that is really cool. I wonder, would it matter in that moment, uh, when you see the smile, if those words went anywhere, like, I wonder if like cosmically there's this, this number is no longer in service. (laughs) (laughs) Um, sorry, Chris, Chris, who after how long? I think you find him under apostate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You have called the wrong, but in that moment, um, Mm. talked about ceremony, which I get that makes a lot of sense, but the word that I was thinking about when I was listening to you was connection. Uh, what a really cool human connection 
yeah. uh, that you had and a shared experience that yeah. uh, regardless of her motives um, for asking for that, that way of connecting yeah, or even her expectations about what you might, how you might pray yeah, or yeah. interact. Yeah. It, it seemed to have landed in a way that was deeply human. So yeah. I I'm thinking about what, how comfortable or uncomfortable I would feel in that moment. I, I would hope I would do something similar. Yeah. Richard Dawkins uh, and others like him. When you listen to these individuals, incredibly wicked, wicked smart. I, I wish mm. I, I was even half as brilliant as this guy. But I don't know if he or Dawkins or others who are sort of trying to point out the dark side of religion, not just Christianity, but religion it, yeah. as a concept, yeah. as a construct of how we organize ourselves. They're trying to point that out like they're trying to point out the dark side of dictatorships. Even though in certain dictatorships, you might have somebody who's brilliant and benefits everybody in your group, you should see that it caters to some of the worst aspects of who we are and how we organize ourselves as humans. So would they say, so you must disavow all of it? Or is it, can you use it as a tool where and when you need to, just because you're admitting this is an aspect of how humans organize themselves? Yeah, I mean, I, this has been, whenever we talk about this stuff, I always have this uh, feeling that I don't want to alienate um, any listeners for, who aren't uh, here. And I don't even want to say, like, this conversation where we are and what we're talking about is, like, uh, an advanced perspective on religion, like, or, like, a, a more matured, like, you will get there, too. Yeah, younger oh self. Gosh. Like I don't want to be oh that, no. right? Yeah. Um, yes. There are probably uh, lots of folks who will listen and disagree with what we're saying. Yeah, and my hope is they don't turn it off. Like there were times when we were younger and trying to be rad, where I think we would bump into people who had different perspectives uh, about faith or religion, and you want to lean in and listen and yell at the speaker and. But you hang in there and try to figure out, well, what do you, how do you sense make this? What do you do with this thing that you're feeling now? This, if it's like, you're really angry about something we said, maybe just go to speak pipe in the show notes and tell yeah. us why, right? Yeah. Like, I, I'd love to hear back from folks to say, yeah, I don't, I don't see it that way. Like, I okay. want to invite that kind of piece. And I think we have the platform to do it that, that maybe we didn't have when we were younger. Yeah. And if I am relating to my past selves and even these past ways of being in a way that's not judgmental right, or angry or full of fear, if I can get to that place, then it becomes a very interesting open conversation on my part. Now, my 25-year-old self was in a system that demanded Still mad. Yeah, he, he, th to be there and to be in the system the way he was, mm -hmm. that's a required response. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there is a binary right and wrong. You are on the wrong side of this argument. Yeah. Um, younger self would probably, because you like to argue in, in that way, would invite this version to be. And did. And did, but, but to be um, converted in some way, to move yes. your beliefs, to, yeah. to hang in there. It wouldn't be to throw away. I don't think that version would be to give up on this version. It would see. Okay, challenge accepted. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I 
in that picture that I just painted, I want to read something to you because I want to see what you think of this. Okay, so this is from the book, Behave, The Biology of Humans at Our Best and Worst. It's a New York Times bestseller, but is Oh, you referenced this last week. As Did well, I? Or last time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so oh, okay. it's clearly a book that uh, you're digging into. <laughs> yeah, and I'm only on like chapter three. So okay. it's, it's Robert Sapolsky. A behavior has just occurred. Why did it happen? Your first category of explanation is going to be a neurobiological one. What went on in that person's brain a second before the behavior happened? Now pull out to a slightly larger field of vision. Your next category of explanation a little earlier in time. What sight, sound, or smell in the previous seconds to minutes triggered the nervous system to produce that behavior? On to the next explanatory category. What hormones acted hours to days earlier to change how responsive that individual was to the sensory stimuli that triggered the nervous system to produce the behavior? And by now you've increased your field of vision to be thinking about neurobiology and the sensory world of our environment and the short-term endocrinology in trying to explain what happened. And you just keep expanding. So just one more paragraph here. What features of the environment in the prior weeks, two years, changed the structure and function of that person's brain and thus changed how it responded to those hormones and environmental stimuli? Then go out further, back to the childhood of the individual, their fetal environment, their genetic makeup. And then you increase the view to encompass factors larger than that one individual. How is the culture shaped the behavior of the people living in that individual's group? What ecological factors help shape the culture? Expanding, expanding until considering events umpteen millennia ago and the evolution of that behavior. So if you begin to look at one reaction based on hundreds of thousands of years and a complexity that would stagger the mind in terms of the interactions not just mine, but my ancestors and the people currently around me to create that moment where there was stimuli and I did boop one thing or not another. You have to ask yourself a fundamental question. How responsible can I be for a behavior? This is a really great restorative question. Okay. Uh, we spend a lot of time thinking about, in terms of a restorative approach, uh, what is that balance between individual and collective responsibility? So. Most of our systems are calibrated toward wanting to blame or explain something uh, simply when really most things uh, without context will not fall uh, easily into those categories. So I can always say it's not my fault because and you will, with some skill, be able to paint a very reasonable picture about, well, okay, that makes sense. It's, this was mostly ecological or environmental or because of the systems they were in. The problem then, in terms of restorative problem, it starts to um, push back and diffuse individual responsibility. So if all of this is true, then I, I'm just a victim of my circumstances in the context. And so until everything changes, what's my motivation to act differently and be different in the world? If everything in the big system doesn't change, and I'm just sort of passively going along with it, this will continue. So there's this tension, right, between restorative justice practitioners and transformative justice people in these two camps that say, no, you've got to think about the individual harms. And like restorative folks would say, individual harms and individual responsibility and owning um, the intention and impact of your actions. That is on you. You've got to do better. You've got to try and understand the harms. And if I can help you see another person uh, and their experience and their impacts, 
you would likely uh, structure your relationship with them differently. That's not wrong. Right? That's a restorative and that's worldview, what, right? That you're very well known for that work in Canada right now. So you know what you're talking about. Your, your, work, your words. Yeah. So, yeah, so but say more. Um, <laughs> uh, transformative space would say, well, you, you've got to take care of the big conditions and the systems. And actually, it, it, the only hope we have to transform this stuff is t- for communities and, and, and people to unite and go after it, that the systems will never uh, course correct because it's not in their interest. Well, wait, Court systems, you, right? Yeah. You talk about this with community policing versus right. you know, professional policing. Yeah. Like, well, c- community pathways toward public safety versus a reliance on policing models. So go. why would this, why would the system ever change? Like the system would never naturally get to, right. we should defund ourselves. Like right. That's just not a thing. Right. But defund to what? So we, we've talked a little bit about this in the past. What is interesting about a, I think, a restorative approach is that it starts to think about what's the kind of world that we want to live in. What do we believe about that place? Mm -hmm. And then it gives us certain individual and sort of collective runway and pathways to start to construct the conditions required for that end state of a world. So this this is a restorative approach that tries to blend, I think, both. That says actually from the principle of individual and collective responsibility, it actually can't just be one or the other. Right. In that context then, Understanding the complexity of behaviors. Yeah, because you you asked the question about, well, is it really, you know, did I even make any choice? And so really hammering into, is it like sort of a byproduct or did you have any other? I mean, we touched on this last time about free will. We keep dancing around this. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask 20-year-old you. Oh, no. Did, no, you don't want to do this? Oh, did you, no. did you believe in free will? Uh, no. Right. <laughs> All right. So uh, what Jake is referring to is my stint as a hardcore Calvinist uh, in the Jonathan Edwards version of it, which was pretty <laughs> harsh. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Yeah. You know that why kind of, you believe yeah. in free will? Because you have a series of choices that are already predestined. You'll take them and you're responsible for them. But that's not fair. It doesn't matter. God writes all the rules, so, and we just exist for His own glory. So, burn us, love us. Doesn't it's entirely up to Him? And the starting place is total and utter depravity. Yes, right. So the starting pl- like there is no like, just positive garbage. Pl- garbage. We're garbage, and God decides to do something with us or just burns the garbage. But it's the ultimate objectification of a human being as a plaything of a sentient being who has so much power that they would even bother playing with little biological stunted things. Like it makes, when you start to step out and say, what are you talking about? It, it makes little to no sense. Well, I, I just listened the compare and contrast because that's why, you know, if we're talking like this at 55 and mm-hmm. then you look back and go oh, 20, 20, 20 year old mm-hmm. version didn't, be, didn't believe free will. It, it just, like, I wonder if we're just caught in these loops where we're constantly exploring some of the same notions over and over. At diff- it, it's more iterative, and it's okay to uh, think is- something at 
yeah. a particular time and place because that's the context we're living in. It yeah. makes sense and gives meaning to that. Yeah. As we drift away from that, we learn other things. I do think it's okay to help to recycle back some of those it because we're testing it. You're kind of always testing in a living, like a live environment. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's a side of neural growth, the testing. Yeah. To not test it would be yeah. irresponsible because was it true? Was it not true? Is it, is yeah. it, you know, otherwise you just have uh, to just release non, it. Yes. Non-consequential just experience. Let it go. Why are we hanging on to this piece of information? Yeah. So it's interesting to hear those themes come way. back. Okay. That is interesting what you just said about this revisiting and conversations and moving forward and maybe trying to solve the same problem, but with a different set of tools. So the first set of tools were the Christian paradigm within it. Then there was Christian paradigm beside it. Now there's outside of it, using it as a tool when and where, but I, I have a whole another set of tools that mm -hmm. I'm, I love learning about across the different sciences. Now I can look at what's coming back from the telescope that where we can see so much better into the universe now. And it's showing us things that are just, if now that I'm, I can think outside of that construct, I'm open to seeing and learning a whole bunch of new things, which is fun too. But the point you made is, but they're the same topics. You keep coming back to look for resolutions. Why do we do what we do? Why do we behave? What is the problem? What is the human problem? Why do we hurt instead of help? Why do we help instead of hurt? You know, there's a, yeah. these are the only things that I think I've been thinking about in any of these different paradigms. Exactly. Uh, and, and maybe 80 year old self or think is still thinking about it. Maybe future Chris is still considering, and I, maybe that's okay. Maybe that is the, the human journey. It feels like fairly thematic. <laughs> like here's your theme for your life, and you're gonna circle them the whole. Now you're gonna do it from different ways and different places and different thinking models, and you'll, yeah, you'll be different over time. Well, your conditions will be different. The test environment will be different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, single version versus married version, which is family yeah. versus the times I have money and the times when I don't and the times when I've had to make different decisions and prioritize and triage, you know, I've got $30 left and the times where I never have to worry about, never, but I don't have to worry about or have those same considerations. Mm -hmm. um, and then who I, who am I in that moment? Mm -hmm. And what are, what are the things that rise to the top that really define us? What are those consistent things I think are probably through lines of our life. Mm -hmm. So one of those things that I've tried to be or I think and that I get a lot of satisfaction from trying to be generous with what little I have, not even stuff could be time. It could be uh, emotional energy, but when I can invest it in a place that I think is going to make a difference. And so for me, I have some relationships where I have said this and I mean it, and I know I mean it because I am making commitment. If there's anything that you need, if there's any way I can help, yeah. let me know. Yeah, I'll jump in. That has dragged Jake into some very weird <laughs> situations. Yes. My, not, yes. not just with me, but with nope. people who are selling door-to-door -door knives or <laughs> for all kinds of situations. Well, yeah, multi-level marketing. I um, should I will put in the show notes some episodes you should go listen to where, where Jake tried to help and the crazy place he went. But I think it comes from a look, I, I want to try. I want to. Right. 
I want to be that person in the world. And I, but I, I want to be that person. Mm -hmm. I, I probably won't ever have a lot of money that I can just fund things. But if I have a little bit of time, a little bit of energy, if I can have this uh, posture of, hey, there's a, there's a guy that will jump in if he can. And if, yep. if I can't, I'll just yep. tell you, I can't. Yep. But you're right. It has led me to more interesting places than I would care to imagine and remember. Well, I think this has been good. I'm going to, I, we're going to keep thinking about this entire season, our present self, our past selves, what, what we have brought forward into this moment from this past selves where I don't actually, I'm not that person. So why am I still playing yeah. by some of their rules? Right. Right. And then is it, the animosity with my past self that's causing it. And and here's the other one. Um, you'll see this if you watch the show Couples Therapy on uh, Showtime. Uh, the need to draw people into recreating moments to rehearse the drama so that I can try and resolve it. And you will see this where I, you know, certain people, you make them someone and then the situation kind of comes up. And you're, this happened to me when I was seven, but I'm going to try and fix it now that I'm 54 or mm -hmm. how old I am right now, right? It's a weird thing where we're trying, and it it it's hard to conceptualize in right now, but if you watch that show, you'll see it and you'll go, oh my gosh, am I doing yeah. that? So things like that, it's, it, that's going to be very interesting. And one of these days we'll have to tackle the very reason why we began the podcast. Yeah, maybe we are in little micro doses. Yeah, that's true. No, but I mean, go visit that initial mm -hmm. issue I had. Maybe next time. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. See Thanks, you. Buddy.